I believe they are really creating a new age of creativity. This is a generation that because of the tools that they have, the, the technologies in their hands, they are demonstrating a level of creativity and entrepreneurship that we have not seen before. Welcome to Focus, a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education. I'm your host, Heather Richmond, and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Hannah Ben Shabbat, a leading expert on Gen Z, about their core values and how that's shaping their campus experience. Hi, Hannah. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I am so excited that we're going to be talking about Gen Z today and the importance of understanding and connecting with them. But first, can you give our listeners an overview of your background? Sure. So I started my career actually in sales and marketing of technology in the B2B space. And then after several years, moved to consulting where I advise mostly retail and consumer goods companies. And that's where I developed my passion for understanding consumer behaviors and motivations. And that's what basically led me eventually to start Gen Z Planet. So before we get started, can you just define who makes up Gen Z? Sure. So Gen Z is everyone who was born between 1998 and 2016. This is not an exact science. And generally speaking, we define generations by the major events that the cohort experienced during their formative years. And also by what we've seen with the data. There is a tendency to start Gen Z in 1995 when the internet started, but in reality, in the data, we're starting to see differences at around 1998, which is actually a very interesting marker because that it, it took some time for the internet to actually catch up. Right. And then in 1998, Google was incorporated, and that was really mm-hmm. the beginning of a lot of the breakthroughs that came after that defined this generation. On the end point, you know, jury still out. We are not 100% sure because we are still in early days. But I would say that 2015-2016 are a good point to mark the end of this generation because of everything that we have seen in the world during this time. We had Brexit in England. We had the Donald Trump election in the in the United States. We had more trade wars with China and so on and so forth. And it's somehow you could say it's a beginning of a new era. So I put my marker for Generation Z at around that time. Makes a lot of sense to me. And I know your book, Gen Z 360, which I've read, covers a lot. And so I want to really just kind of go into some of the specifics. But first, how did you approach your research for this book? And can you give us an overview? Sure. So I think it's maybe a start from the start. Uh, my passion for an interest in Gen Z is really a direct result of what I observed and experienced as a management consultant. Uh, during my 20-year career, I saw many of my clients struggle with the rise of the millennials. The millennials did not fit the mold of what was thought to be a good employee or they or followed the life stage patterns that informed marketing for years. That means, you know, graduate at a certain age, buy houses at a certain age, start a family at a yeah. certain age, and so on and so forth. And it was very confusing to people. And and 
companies were not prepared for the change that the millennials brought to the table. And as a result, resources were wasted and frustration was high and many opportunities got lost along the way. And that's really what inspired me to start Gen Z Planet and also write the book to help business leaders to get things right from the start with Generation Z. And the way I approached it was really a combination of research methods. Obviously, the traditional, you know, quantitative study, multi-generational studies of being able to compare between generation and really see where Gen Z truly different from other generations. But also a lot of interviews, one-on-one interviews, and where possible visiting Gen Z in their own environment and really see who they are, how they, how they live their life, what is important to them, and try to bring it all together across the three dimensions of culture, walk, and commerce. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know in that first section, that's when you, you really dig into what makes Gen Z, you know, unique culturally. And so, you know, what is it that makes this generation really different from previous generations and especially their immediate predecessors, the millennials? Yes, and I I would say there are uh, perhaps three key attributes that I would say are the most important, critical, and differentiating. The first one is diversity. Generation Z is the most diverse generation to ever ever live in this country. 48% are minorities. Mm -hmm. But it's not only a statistical figure. It is a cultural lens and a social lens through which they view the world. And it is how they raise and how they see things and what they expect when they go to school, when they interact with brands or when they reach uh, the workforce. The second thing is obviously the technology. This is a generation that was born into a world that they never, they never experienced a world without a search engine, a mobile phone, or social yes. media. And that has a huge impact about how they behave, how they think, how they process information, how they learn when it comes to education, and so on and so forth. And, 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 and that's, that is really a defining, a defining factor of this gener- generation because they don't have what we have. We have the before and after. We know how it was before the technology came and we have, we know how it is today. We all use technologies. It's not a generational thing, but when you grow up with this, it just become part of your life. And I always said, you know, when you ask Gen Zers, and, you know, what role technology plays in your life, they just kind of look at you with a surprised (laughs) face because they, they don't understand the right. questions. Technology is life for them. And and I think it's very important, you know, like whether it is high ed or brands or the work for, or the workforce to truly understand that that aspect of Gen Z because they, because they don't have the same perspective that we have. And and I think the third one is really the the result of the second, which is with the connectivity comes major exposure and it means that this is a generation that lives through the 24 7 news cycles experiencing everything that happens around them and in the world in a very direct way through their phones and that has also a lot of implications uh, for for 
who they are, how they think, and how they view the world around them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Aren't you glad that we grew up in a low-tech uh, generation? <laughs> to an extent, I do. But sometimes I do ask myself, you know, like, I'm thinking about the time that I was in university, and I'm sometimes saying to myself, like, how did we find each other? Right. Like, you know, when we were when we were going out, like, in an evening, how did we always manage to kind of cluster in the same place without without texting and without calling? And and it's kind of you know, it's I, I'm always thinking like, how would I be if I had Instagram right. when I was a student? You know, it's kind of it's. You know, I don't know if I feel bad that or, or good that I didn't have it or have it, but it's definitely some time a question. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And even just ourselves now, I don't know how I would survive without technology and my phone telling where to go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great. Well, how have all these factors really impacted the behavior of Gen Z? I think, again, there are a couple of things, kind of especially from a cultural perspective. Obviously, the diversity, uh, we, we really see this is a generation that is creating a radical inclusivity culture. It's something that is very important right. to them. They want to see diversity in advertising. They want to see uh, inclusivity in the workplace. And it's in, in all dimensions. And, uh, and it is something that they really live by and expect from the world around them. So I think that's one thing that is very important. I think the the second thing is connected to technology. I believe they're really creating a new age of creativity. This is a generation that because of the tools that they have, the, the technologies in their in their hands, they're demonstrating a level of creativity and entrepreneurship that we have not seen right. before. And, and, and that, is, uh, that is something that I feel is, uh, is unique to this generation. I, I mean, speak to some Gen Zers and you will hear the word, um, you know, creators. They see themselves as content creators, as, as, um, as, you know, as a group of people that use technology not only to do practical things, but also to be creative and 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 also in a in a way to to express themselves, to express right. opinion, to be a social critics and and whatever and whatever else comes with that. So I find it extremely fascinating. And the last but not least is uh, what I call challenging authority. I think with the exposure comes a um, natural um, need to, to question things. Uh, this is a generation that uh, sees so many of the issues that we are dealing with today as a society. And they're asking questions. Why we haven't solved some of these issues? Why we still have gender inequality? Why we have racial injustice in this country? And so on and so forth. But they're not only asking the questions, they're willing to take the next step and challenge authorities and, and demand change and, and do what they can do, at, at least at this point, to drive that change. I mean, we've seen them marching for climate change. We've seen them marching for social justice and so on and so forth. But I expect that if we see that trends continue, this is going to be a generation that will drive civil engagement in a way we haven't seen before. 
Absolutely. I mean, again, this is a very, you know, revolutionary generation. And, and some of those key milestones that you've talked about um, are very impactful. But are there some other, you know, events or even the you know parental influence that you've seen that really have helped to shape this generation? Yeah, I think that I think the one thing that if people sometimes ignore about this generation, which is, again, pointing to um if a statistical figure is the fact that 30% of Gen Z grow up in a single in a single parent wow. household, and I think it is quite a, a quite an important a, fact to keep in mind when dealing with this generation, a, because it has a lot of implications about their ambition, about the way they relate to society around around them, about the importance of community and support that they need to see around them. So I think that's one thing that I find uh, quite fascinating about this generation and how those who grew up in single parent family uh, view themselves, view their parents and their relationship with their parents and what they have to achieve uh, in the world. I think that's uh, that's, uh, quite a significant part of uh, of the entire generation. I think there are, of course, other things. This is a generation that grew up uh, between, you know, 1998 uh, that they were born to to now. You know, it's only 24 years. And if you think what happened in the world and the thing that they experienced, uh, be it, you know, the rise of social movements like uh, Me Too and, and BLM mm-hmm. in the United States, obviously gun violence event has huge influence on, on, again, on how they view or perceive safety. And, uh, and all these things together, you know, contributed to strong core values that are, that include family and community and equality. And, and they are, they are all, they all happen during their formative years. But perhaps one of the most important to our conversation is the fact that this is a generation that within their short lifespan have experienced two major recessions. Gen Z were the older Gen Z was about 10 years old uh, in 2008 when the Great Recession uh, broke. And they, and they have uh, vivid memories of that, yeah. of that period and great learning for life. I mean, these, these are kids who saw their parents either losing their jobs or, or right. their home or even just having the anxiety that this is going to happen to them. And they internalize uh, those events as something that this is a lesson for me. I need to learn from that. I can, this cannot happen to me. And sure enough, comes COVID-19 and they are going through yet another recession. And I think from that, uh, their attitudes towards money and the way they, uh, they view financial security is uh, is completely shaped by these two events. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's no wonder that, um, you know, I've definitely heard, and, and, and I know you have in your data too, that this generation is, you know, very debt adverse and, and very much, you know, the core value of being that financial stability and uh, being really, yeah, and really having that conservative nature financially. And so um, how do you see this really translating into their education and their work lives? So, yeah, so I think... Uh, if we look at uh, at education, uh, Gen Z 
uh, first truly believe that they have to go to college. 89% of the Gen Zers that I interviewed who were in high school say that they want to go to college and 25% believe that they will need to need a graduate degree to actually succeed in our in our world. Wow. And I know that this may seem counter to all the big headlines that we have seen since the pandemic broke about um you know, Gen Zers and kids dropping out of college or don't right. want to go to college and so on and so forth. But I think that there is, there was a slight drop in, um, in college admission and enrollment in, in the last couple of years. Uh, but I believe that at the core, because the way they were brought up by their Gen X parents, yeah. they still believe that this is the way to go. Saying that, Many of them know that they cannot afford it, and uh, and they are becoming very creative in finding ways around it. I spoke to many Gen Zers and said, you know, I enroll in a community college, I do two years, and then I transfer into a four-year college. That's kind of a very common path. Some right. some who have outstanding high school achievement trying to get scholarships. Uh, some are thinking they're going to walk during college to minimize the amount of debt that they're going to have at the end. And, and of course, many of them are putting their sight on those companies that are recently started to offer tuition reimbursement as part of their, of their uh, employer benefits. Right. So they, it's not like Gen Z is not going to take student loans. I mean, many of them just don't have a choice, but they are doing it in a less blind way than previous generation. They know the consequences. They look at their millennial siblings or friends and they are, they are I don't want to end up like this. Right. And they try to do everything they can to minimize that burden when, when they graduate. Yeah, I think, you know, we definitely see that even just uh, in our solution, we have payment plans and just seeing the increase of students enrolling uh, the last few years in these payment plans versus going the, the traditional student loan route. Um, mm -hmm. They definitely, you know, have that in mind. <laughs> yes, it's a mindset of being very cautious and it's a mindset of look at what happened before me and learn from it. I know. And I know that you said, too, you know, in your book that Gen Z is the most educated, but maybe the least prepared when entering the workforce. And so how can you, you know, maybe give some guidance to uh, colleges, and universities on how to help with this? Yes. And uh, and I think this is uh, this is a really a big this is a really big question. It's not a new issue for right. financial in uh, for educational institutions. And, uh, and, and corporations. And um, I think that in today's world, you know, we are facing kind of several challenges. Gen Z is, is joining at a time, even before the pandemic, that workplaces are transforming. Everyone is going through digital transformation and any other major transformation yes. because we are more and more the corporate world is more and more dependent on innovation to be successful. So in a workplace that is driven by innovation, your technical skills are important, but are not 
critical. What is more important is the ability to learn, is the ability to problem, to problem solve. It's more the soft skills. And from the many interviews I had with the executives in very large corporates, and some of those discussions are in my book, it, 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 there is a very clear, clear picture that is emerging that, uh, that newcomers are really well equipped technically. They have great, they, they, they learn great things in universities, but no one really um, taught them how to be, um, how to adapt to this new world of, of the workplace of the mm. 21st century. And I think that gap needs to be bridged as, you know, as quickly as possible. And educational institutions will have to make sure that you know, we teach newcomers how to learn and how to how to adjust. And I think Gen Z at the core have that ability to adapt because if you just think about their life, they, you know, change is the only constant right. is the way they lived with. So they are very adaptable. And, and I think we need to build on that level of adaptability and so it can it can have value in the workplace. And and we need to emphasize more soft skills than than technical skills because frankly, technical skills in today's world became become obsolete very quickly. Right. Yeah, and I, I tell you, I think that's really interesting. Um from the technical side, I know sometimes some of our colleges and universities get a little nervous about, you know, timing of, of, of bringing new tech to the table and, and learning. And this generation, bring it on. They can do that. And <laughs> then the transition, though, is, okay, if I, if I can get more self-service tech going, then I can be more personable and be able to have those conversations if they need more of a support standpoint. So I think that, you know, and that helps in that soft skills side, too, of being able to have someone to talk to if they're having financial troubles and what payment plans can I get on or what are my options? Um, because, mm-hmm. you know, using the tech to do it, they've got that all day long. They don't need to get trained. <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And it sounds like, too, just, you know, in your book, talking about Gen Z really being very independent and liking to learn on their own. And so, you know, how do you see that, um, you know, impacting how they like to learn and receive information, you know, from their companies as they're going into the workforce and beyond? Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's right. They feel that they do their best work when they work on their own. However, and it, it may sound contradicting, they require detailed guidance and frequent feedback right. from their managers. And this is, again, one of the misconceptions about this generation. When executives or managers hear that need for constant feedback, they're associated with insecurity. And actually, I associate it more with being competitive and ambitious mm. they they want to know all the time where they stand and how they can exceed expectations and and it's not coming from a place of insecure oh my god i don't know what to do but i really want to do the best i can on this particular assignment or in this particular role and you my manager have to help me to together by giving me regular feedback. So I think that's something that 
say is very is very important. Yeah. I think how they learn is very different, right? I mean, the the days of uh, big folders with PowerPoint <laughs> printouts are over right. long time ago, but it's now more kind of you need to be like a little YouTube operations. You know, they right. they like to learn on the go. They want to be able to 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 get things in small chunks through videos, and they, and they, that's. Uh, that's how that's how they learn and it, and they feel that I think one thing is the way they process information so they feel that they can absorb a short video better than they can right. absorb a memo but I think there is also an element of convenience in that yeah you know like I can look at this three minutes video while I'm on the train yes. home or while I'm doing something else. And, and it, there, it has that kind of multitasking kind of aspect to it, which you can do if you are walking around with a big folder. Right. So, so I think, so I think that's a, that's a, that's some, that's something that obviously educational institution and workplaces already grasped and already implementing in a very big way. And if they haven't, uh, they should. And, um, and, and I think the, the other thing that is very important is, is really how we actually onboarding them, whether it right. is in universities or, or in colleges or it's, or in, in the workplace. One thing that we have to remember, for us, it looks very natural because we were just living through this. Organizations have become extremely complex and interdependent in, the way, in a way that it was not before. Everything is much more interdisciplinary today than it was before. You know, when I started my career in marketing, I worked within my department. I had to liaise a little bit with customer service and maybe with another department, but it was not that it was not that complicated. Right. Today, you have to be in connection with the e-commerce team, with the PR team, with the supply chain team, with the manufacturing team to get a campaign, you know, go, you know, uh, taking off. It's it it has a lot of interdependency within a single organization. And think about that when you are a newcomer, that could be very overwhelming. For one reason mm. is that you don't have a decision authorities on most of these other functions. So your ability, and again, it's going back to the soft skill, your ability to negotiate, your ability to influence other people so they can help you to execute your assignment because you need their inputs into what you do is becoming so important. So if you bring people and you just throw them in the water, right. They're not going to swim that quickly because they don't really understand that level of complexity. So I think orientations of, hello, this is our mission and vision, and here is your gift bag. Again, this, these days are over. Orientations need to really focus on here is our organization, and here is how it works, and here are all the different kind of function and here are all the people you're going to be interacting with and you got to understand the different stakeholders and the roles in in our processes and that's kind of a very different uh, way to get people oriented but it's absolutely critical 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, really, this generation, we can call them the over-multitasking generation, all of us, right? And in a complex world. So that combination is uh, hard to get and keep attention. Yes. So thinking about that, so from an onboarding perspective, let's kind of back up a little bit and talk about recruitment. So Mm -hmm. how did you see, you know, schools, you know, and then companies being able to better recruit Gen Z? Yes, I think, uh, obviously, from a process perspective, it's all about technology, it has to be Gen Z expects smooth, technology-driven process. You know, they don't want to spend time trying to call you right. or 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 spend a lot of time traveling to meet someone for two minutes. They they really want something that is very smooth and very and and very easy to yeah. navigate. Um, I, however, I would put a word of caution here. Uh, we have seen so many examples where the use of technology has gone completely to the other side that everything is technology and there is almost no human connection and that Mm. could actually backfire. Um, I spoke to several Gen Zers who described their experience of um, doing a a video video interview where they didn't speak to anyone. They got three questions on a screen. They had to record themselves, submit, and then it gone to a black box. And that's that could be, um, you know, that that could actually be a turnoff to right. many Gen Zers. So finding that balance between technology and human connection, I think, it's really important. It's easier said than done, but I think companies are starting to understand that yes, this is a digital generation, but that doesn't mean that they want everything to be digital. Yes. So, so that's and I think that's true also for educational institutions. I think in terms of uh, employers, obviously, it's the offer. What do you actually offer? What is your employer brand? Uh, what do you stand for? Is uh, showing that you understand who is you know who who gen z is where they come from right. uh, there are a lot of issues that we covered already you know like uh, gen z is is um, is very well known for their openness about right. talking about mental health issues how do you incorporate that into your employer benefit into your work schedule into how you coach and deal with these newcomers. Obviously, the financial pressure that we we spoke about. Yeah. All these things can be translated into a completely different employer benefit models. And, and as I mentioned before, tuition reimbursement is not a very popular topic, but right. I think we are going to see that to see that becoming even more popular. And then I don't think that we're going back on location and schedule flexibility. There are going to be many companies that will add a hybrid model, but for Gen Z, location and schedule flexibility is extremely important. Location, because they feel that with with location flexibility, they could actually achieve some of their financial goals. I can live in a place that is not as expensive as living in in, in a major metropolitan and very quickly get to the point that I can own a home and, and, and build my financial securities. And then I only have to travel to meet my team, you know, once a week or mm-hmm. once, once a month. So it is, a, it's not just the work from home notion that it's much easier for me to work from home. It has some other 
some additional thinking behind it when it comes come to Gen Z. And I think schedule flexibility is also very important. One thing that we need to understand with this generation is that 34% say they have side hustles. Wow. And they expect to maintain that side hustles while they work full time because it's another way for them to make more money. Right. And, and, and I know that, you know, for us, Gen Xer or boomers, we would have looked at a colleague who has like a side business, like it as, as if it is the most unreasonable thing to do, <laughs> right. but for them, but for them, it is very natural thing to do. And I think employers will have to accept that mentality and way of living because this is who this is who they are, and the fact that they have a side hustle doesn't mean they don't do their job right. a, as good as they can. And it's it's the attitude should be, in my view, as long as they deliver, they can do whatever they want. That's their free time. But that's where the schedule flexibility comes. If mm -hmm. I have a schedule flexibility, I can manage whatever different things I need to do. And as long as I deliver on all of them, I'm fine. So, so I think that's, that's, another, that's another thing to consider when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. And it you know, really just all kind of stems back to the financial security being one of their core values. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and I think that was really interesting um, from your book, just talking about how determined they are to do better and do whatever they can to learn from the mistakes of others, you know, previous mm -hmm. generations and really secure that financial future as early as they possibly can. So what are some of those unique traits that uh, Gen Z shows in, in really the commerce area? So I would say in the commerce area, you know, we already understand Gen Z yeah. is a very, a very cost conscious. I would say even frugal to an extent, and uh, and this is uh, this is something that that defines how they go about buying things. And they will always search before they buy. They will always compare prices, read read reviews. And that affects everyone, you know, whether it is you buy a clothing or or you buy a pair of shoes or you sign up for university. Right. You want to know what you're gonna get what you're gonna get for your money. So I think that's a, that's something that a, that is very important. And obviously all these things are done with technology. And and I and the other thing is um, is about their their savings. This is a generation that, because of their focus on financial security, they're already investing and and saving. Some of them have retirement accounts. Wow. And they, you know, I I spoke to Gen Zers who were in part time jobs who told me that they put some of their money into a Roth IRA, and I was. <laughs> so surprised right. um, at such a young age. So obviously, some of it is a result of the exposure to the immense financial information that is out there. Right. But it's also really core to who they are because of the life experiences that, uh, that they have. And, and then, of course, with the technology that they have, you know, how they, how they do these things, you know, you know they obviously invest online they they you know they make payments using right. uh, using cashless methods mm -hmm. and so on and so forth so you know some would say that 
the younger parts of this generation, those who are right now, I don't know, three and four years old, uh, probably, or five years old, those are probably will not know a world where, where there was like a real money. Right. And yeah, still to be seen, but, but, you know, truly cashless, cashless generations. And, you know, no matter where, who you are, if you are a retailer or, or, or a financial institution or an educational institution, I think we all need to be prepared for that. Yeah, you know, like you said, that's just just the norm for them. And I'd say, you know, how are you seeing, you know, that their affinity to technology and I'll say just, you know, being able to adopt and change so quickly, you know, how does that really translate into commerce and, and how they're they're making payments? Yeah, so, you know, Gen, Gen Z is a digital, you know, it's a digital first generation. So it is not surprised that many of them are using um, methods of payments that are, you know, non-cash methods. It could be Google Pay or Apple Pay. And, right. and for them, it's just, it's just very, very natural. They don't see a point of paying in a different way because this is just so easy to just... Right. Yeah, I think that, too, I, I read that uh, in their world, when we talk about, oh, how are you paying online versus how are you paying in person... They don't mm-hmm. see it that way, do they? No, and I think this is really an important point that you're bringing, which I make in the book, which is this separation of online and offline or online and physical store or physical place is something that we, the older generation, make because we again we have that before and after right you know we grew up in a world where there was no internet and then the internet came and then there was it was possible to shop online and now we have online shopping and in-store shopping and we make that kind of separation for gen z this separation does not really exist in their mind. Mm -hmm. For them, there is only one retail. And it's very important to understand that because for them, they see a brand. It could be the university. It could be a, it could be Nike. It could be Whole Foods. Right. It could. It, it, it's a brand, and I have a choice of how I'm accessing these brands. And you don't access the brand only through a store or their e-commerce platform. Right. You access a brand to any to every touch point that they have to the consumer. So I. They see you on Instagram, they see you on Facebook, they see you on TikTok, they see you in all those different touch points. And in each of these touch points has meaning to the way they perceive you as a brand and the way they interact with you. And they can make a final decision of, Mm. you know, where do I want to transact today? And sometimes it will be, you know, shop directly from an Instagram app or I go to to a store or I order or I order online. The interesting thing about this generation is that despite of the fact that they don't like um, 
they don't like to make this kind of separation and they have that view. If you ask them if they prefer to go to a store or shop online, the majority, close to 60%, will say they still prefer to go to store because they like to have that personal connection right. in addition to having the option to do everything through technology. Yeah, it's really interesting that in our own minds, we have to think about why are we separating it? This is just how it works. We hear a lot about omni-channel and, and it's like they just think it's a channel. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, beyond technology, you know, what are the other expectations that Gen Z exhibits when it comes to commerce making payments? I think this is a really going back to where we started with culture. Right. I think that it's very important to them that the entities that they interact with under individuality and authenticity. So how you communicate with them really affect how they interact with you. And, you know, they look to be treated as individual. They look to be, they don't want to just be, you know, a number right. and they want, they feel that they, they want to stand out. So how do you help them to do that? It's, it's very important. Um, I think they have very strong values as we discussed before. So they want to be part of organizations that share those values right. and they want to be part of an organization that not only talks about doing great things in the world, but also have something to show for it. And I think that's something that, you know, people have to be very careful with, sure. with Gen Z because, you know, we have seen, you know, like in the past few years, a lot of what I would call greenwashing and people making a lot of statements about how the environment is so important to them. But really, in reality, you don't see any evidence that they actually care. And, you know, Gen Z see that and call people out on that. So I think that's something that is very is very important to to know. It's not only words you have to uh, to demonstrate that with action. Right. Uh, they want to see diversity and they want to see inclusivity everywhere they go. So I think that's something that is very uh, critical. I would say for organizations that want to interact and have Gen Zers as their customers. No, I think that's great. So what would you tell our higher ed leaders, you know, what are the biggest takeaways about Gen Z? So I would say that for educational um, institution leaders, there are maybe three things that you have to keep in mind when it comes to Gen Z. One is understand where they come from and the pressures that they are under. And it's not only the financial pressure, but they are under tremendous pressure to succeed. Right. And there is a lot of things that educational institution can do to help them achieve their goals. Um, the use of technology from admission to an ongoing operation is absolutely key. This is a digital first generation. Yeah. And the third thing is really recognize the need for community diversity and authenticity. Yeah, I think those are really great uh, three key pieces to, to take away. And so I am sure a lot of our listeners have a lot more questions for you. So can you just uh, tell us how people can connect with you? Absolutely. You can visit my website, www.genzplanet.com. You can follow me on Twitter at HBS360. And if you are interested in getting a copy of the book, the book is available on Amazon.com, Gen Z360. Preparing for the Inevitable Change in Culture, Work, and Commerce. 
It's wonderful. And I highly uh, recommend everybody to get that book. Uh, it was a great read and, and a lot of great uh, kind of stories and uh, from, you know, this generation and understanding them better. Hannah, thank you so much. This has been so great. And I know this information is going to be so helpful to the higher ed community. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.